Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Today as we look at Psalm 1, we have a contrast here between the godly and the ungodly. And in looking at this particular psalm, one of the things that stands out is that a life of success and prosperity is promised to those who would choose to live for God. And those who choose to live a godless life, they have before them heartache and sorrow. Now granted, we're talking about this from a spiritual perspective. Today we think about the theme, a contrast in lives. And as we look at Psalm chapter 1, the first thing that we want to talk about has to do with the happiness of a godly person. We're talking here about someone who is described in the Bible as a saint, a child of God. Somebody who has chosen to live for the Lord. The psalmist tells us that those who live a blessed or happy life are those who have decided to live for the Lord. The first thing that I would call your attention to concerning the godly person and the fact that they are blessed or happy in this life has to do with the associations that they make here on this earth. And I would encourage you to take note of the fact that the godly person is very careful about the associations that they cultivate here upon this earth. That is, they're very guarded when it comes to the people that they bond with, that they make friendships with, that they enjoy fellowship with. And I think that those of us today who have made the decision to live for the Lord, we need to take very, a very cautious approach to the kind of people that we associate with. So the psalmist said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Note if you would, the psalmist says that the godly person doesn't walk, doesn't stand, nor does he or she sit with those who are godless in their disposition. Now think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived, evil companionship corrupts good morals. You can read over in the book of Proverbs and you'll hear the wise man talk about how the righteous should choose his friends carefully. We need to be very careful about the kind of people that we allow into our inner circle. Now I understand that many times we are thrust into situations in life where there are unbelievers. There are people who don't think like us, they don't act like us, they don't talk like us. We are in the world, but we don't necessarily have to be of the world. Well, having said that, we would do well 
to guard our associations. Let me just also add this. We can invite the world into our living room every day via the television or radio. And so we, would, we ought to be cautious when it comes to what we watch and what we listen to. Because the things that we watch and listen to, if they are of an ungodly nature, they can have a profound impact on the way we think and the way we act and the way we dress. And so what we want to do is make sure that we are guarding our associations. Amos in the long ago asked the question, can two walk together except they be agreed? It would behoove all of us to make sure that we are developing those kind of relationships that are going to better us in this life. The psalmist talks about the blessed or the happy man. Doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of the scornful. I don't want to be around somebody who is anti-God. And there are people in our society today, there are people in the media who it seems as if they have an agenda. And that agenda is to, to do anything or to say anything that would undermine the pinnings of Christianity. There are a lot of people in our world today. They will mock and ridicule the name of God. They lack reverence for God. Well, the psalmist in the long ago wouldn't even give these people an audience. And neither should we. So first of all, we think about the associations of the godly, and then secondly, the affections of the godly. And this has to do with the godly person's focus in life. Look at what he says in verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What's the focus of your life? All of us have to have something around which our lives focus or center. In other words, there has to be something that, that, that attracts us. There has to be something that, that brings a measure of satisfaction or gratification to our lives. There has to be something for which we live on a regular basis. Well, the psalmist in the long ago, not only did he guard his associations, but he had the right priorities. He had the right focus in life. And when we talk about his focus or his affections, it really centered or hinged on the Word of God. The Bible says his delight was in the law of the Lord. Many, many years ago, when God delivered the children out of the land of Egypt through the hand of, of Moses, we, we think about these people coming out of bondage and being led by the great lawgiver and leader of ancient Israel, the man Moses. And in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible speaks of his death. And then we transition into the book of Joshua. Joshua, as you know, was the successor to Moses. And God said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 8 of his book, he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Did you know that in short, we are what we think? What you spend your time doing, what you spend your time focused upon, that's ultimately what you are or who you are as a person. Here's what Solomon said in the long ago, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. 
If you want to develop the mind of Christ, if you want to become more Christ-like in your demeanor, here's what you have to do. Spend time in this book. How are you going to know about Jesus? How are you going to know how He lived and how He interacted? How are you going to know how He would have you to live if you never cracked this book? You and I have to spend time reading, studying, and meditating on the Scriptures. The Bible says with regard to the psalmist, his delight was in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditated day and night. And over in Psalm 119, 97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In that same chapter, he equated his love for the law of God to be greater than silver and gold, sweeter to the mouth, as he said, than honey. And the idea is that to the psalmist, the Word of God had intrinsic value. And so the godly person, the happy person, the person whose life is what it ought to be, has a life that is deeply rooted in Scripture. And that really brings us to a third thing. And that is the assurance that the godly person has. Look at verse 3, if you would. The godly person is guarded when it comes to his or her associations. The godly person has his or her affection set on the Word of God, the will of God. But then note, if you would, the assurances or the assurance. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. A couple of things here. First of all, the godly person has a life that is firmly planted. Sometimes we talk about people who have their feet firmly planted in life. They've got, they've got things going for them. They've got their head on the ground or they've got a good head on their shoulders. Well, the godly person has a stable life. Why is the godly person stable in life? Why is the godly person firmly planted in this life? Well, the reason is because he or she is choosing to do what God in His Word has outlined. Not only is the godly person firmly planted in life, but the Bible says that he or she will be fruitful and productive. Look again at what he says. The godly person brings forth fruit in season. And then he talks about the leaf of the godly person, that it doesn't wither, and whatever he does, he said, shall prosper. There are a lot of people in our world today, they want to be successful. The problem in many respects is they're going after success in all the wrong places. They're looking at all the wrong things in terms of prosperity and success. You want to be successful in this life, let me tell you what you need to do. Follow the formula set forth by the psalmist in chapter 1. Get your feet firmly planted in the Word of God. You remember what Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6? He said, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and grounded in Him, and built up in the faith. Again, the idea, building our lives around the Lord, setting down some roots, making sure that our lives are cultivated in Christ Jesus. How many people in our society today, if you were to ask them on a scale of 1 to 10, if you were to ask them, how's your marriage? 
they would say a one or a two. If you were to ask them, how are things within the context of your family? In other words, your relationship between your children, maybe your brothers and sisters, etc. How would you rate that? Again, one, two, three. What's the problem? For many, the problem is they have not accentuated their lives around the Lord. The greatest manual that has ever been written for the home is the Bible. And one of the reasons our society today is so chaotic, and, and when we look at the home particularly, marriages ending in divorce, children living in disobedience, demonstrating a lack of respect for authority in the home, in the schools, on the job, etc. Why is this? Because people are not opening the Word of God. And so their lives are far from successful. They don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding within their hearts. We think about the home. Look, look at people out in the business world. And you'll see people in the business world that are lying and cheating. They're dishonest. They extort and embezzle funds. Why is that? Because they, they fail to understand that ultimately everything that we are to do in life is to be in service to the Lord. Paul said over in the book of Colossians, for you serve the Lord Christ. If you'll take this book and make application in your life, you'll be a better employer. You'll be a better employee. You'll be a better son, a better daughter, a better husband, a better wife. You'll be a better neighbor. This book will make you a better person. But if you choose to ignore the principles of Scripture, you're not going to be a blessed person and you are not going to be a happy person. There are a lot of people in our world today, they are, look, they are looking for happiness. And they're looking for success and they're looking for prosperity. The problem is they're going about it all wrong. Their lives are devoid of meaning. And the psalmist is going to talk about that in just a moment when we look at verses 4 and following. But again, accentuating things that are important. Here's what Jesus said. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What good is it going to do you if you have everything that money can buy, if you can have everything that gratifies the flesh here on earth, but you lose your soul? What have you really gained in life? The fact of the matter is you haven't gained, but rather you have lost. And so Jesus is saying that those of us who live here upon this earth, we need to get serious with those things that are of utmost importance. The Lord said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I think about it like this. If you choose to live for the Lord, then things will naturally fall into place in life. Now, just because we become a Christian does not mean that we're not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean that we're never going to get sick. It doesn't mean that we're never going to lose a loved one. It, never, it doesn't mean that we're not going to lose, lose a job. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get discouraged from time to time. But even though we may face some setbacks in this life, the promise is that we have God 
in our lives. There is a difference in living a godly life and a godless life. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. You want to be happy, you want to be blessed in this life, then choose the godly life. Now, note if you would what he says about the hopelessness of a godless person. We're not talking about a saint here, but we're talking about a sinner. Here's somebody that, that has chosen to take a different course, a different route in life. People make that decision every day. Sometimes people say, you know what, I'm going to live for the Lord. People like Joshua of old who say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the, that's the kind of family that's the kind of family life that, that the Lord desires for all of us. The Lord is looking for people who want to live a life centered upon Him. But in the latter part of Psalm 1, here's somebody who's taken a different course in life. They're going to live a godless life. And so what about, what about the heartache and the sorrow that they can expect in this life? Did you know that the, the godless life is a life that is a dead-end road? Let me tell you what the godless lack in life. Number one, they lack substance in life. Look at what he says in verse 4. The ungodly are not so. He's just talked about the godly and how blessed or how happy they are. And then in verse 4 he said, But the ungodly, they're not so, but rather they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. In ancient times, when they would separate the wheat from the chaff, they would take a shovel. And they would dig deeply into the wheat and the chaff, throw that stuff up in the air, and the chaff would get caught by the wind, and it would, it would basically be sifted. It would be blown away. And what, what the psalmist is saying here is that the chaff lacked substance. Whereas the wheat, the grain, well, that, that, was, that was the good stuff. And if you choose to live a godless life, what you need to understand is you're going to lack substance in life. I said a moment ago that those who choose a godless life, their lives are devoid of meaning. Did you know that, did you know that there are a lot of men and women there are a lot of young people in our world today who lack focus and direction in this life. They're living aimlessly. I mean, they don't, they don't have anything to live for. There's, there's no substance. There's, there's not anything for them to really sink their teeth into. Why is that? Because their, their lives are devoid of God. Look at Ecclesiastes. One of the great studies that you could ever enter into from a biblical perspective would be to spend some time in the book of Ecclesiastes. And when you read the words of Solomon, you'll see a man that had everything. As a matter of fact, he tells us in chapter 2 that whatever his eyes desired, he did not keep from them. I think about a guy, if he saw it, he wanted it, then he acquired it. Listen, this guy had it all. He had wisdom. He had power. He had prestige or fame. He had money. 
He had everything that people today think will make them happy. And yet when he comes to the close of his book, his, his conclusion is simply this. All of those things, all of the things that we may acquire in life that we really think are going to bring us happiness and are going to give us fulfillment and stability and, and substance in this life, he said, those things will leave you wanting. If you look at Ecclesiastes, one of the words that he used, that he uses over and over again is this word vanity. All is vanity. Why? Well, because the things of life don't satisfy. Look, for example, in Ecclesiastes 5 at about verse 10 when he said, He that loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He that loves increase with abundance. And the idea is the more you have, the more you want. Does that sound like somebody who's satisfied? Does that sound to you like somebody who's content? Does it to me? And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he said, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He's just talked about how the physical body begins to wear out and deteriorate. And then eventually death comes and the body turns to dust from whence it was taken and the spirit returns to God who gave it life. And so in verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. You want to know what's important in life? You want to know what, what you need to do to, to really be happy in this life? Fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Because this is man's all. This is why we've been created. To fear God, to keep his commandments, to bring him honor and glory. That's what life is all about. It's not about me. It's not about necessarily what I want and what I think. It's not just about making me happy in life, but rather it's about choosing that that's going to give some substance and validity to my life. It's about making a choice that's centered on God, that's focused on Him, that realizes that a truly happy life is in God. But that's where real contentment and real peace comes in life. And so, the psalmist said, the ungodly, are, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. And then he says, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. First of all, the godless person they lack substance in life. But then secondly, and maybe more importantly, they lack security in the afterlife. Now, when you talk about a godless person, you're talking about somebody who has no hope. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Over in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 12, Paul speaks of those who are outside a covenant relationship with the Lord. And he said, they are without hope. And then he follows that statement by saying they are without hope and without God in this life. Those who are without hope are those who have chosen a God-less life. That's their existence. It is a God-less existence. You can't have, you can't expect to have any kind of hope beyond the grave, if you have made the decision to live a godless life. That's why Paul said you're without hope and you're without God in this world. And so, what's the state of the godless? 
Well, they're doomed to misery. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. One writer said that the picture here is that of somebody who hangs the head on the day of judgment. Just think about it for a moment. Standing before the Lord on that great and final day. You remember what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13? That we're to fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. And then in verse 14 he said, For God shall bring every work into judgment. And every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So the judgment of God is before us. But let's just think about somebody who's standing before the Lord on the day of judgment. And let's say that that individual knew what was right. In other words, they had heard the gospel. They knew that they should have lived a Christ-centered life, but they chose to live a godless life. How do you think that person's going to... How do you think that person's going to stand at the judgment? Do you think that person's going to stand just erect and straight, head tilted back? No, I don't. I, I think about somebody who just bows the head, hangs the head low. Why? Because that individual knew what was right. And chose to do the opposite. Embarrassed. Not just embarrassed, but expecting the worst. When people choose to live a godless life, they can't expect anything on the day of judgment. Now I will freely grant that Jude talks about some who on the day of judgment will have to be convinced. That is, they're going to have to be shown why they were living a life that was not pleasing to the Lord. But there are going to be a lot of people in the judgment. They're going to stand before the Lord and they're going to stand with head bowed down because they knew what was right. There are people that have never obeyed the gospel for whatever reason. If the Lord were to come today they would hang their head because they knew the truth, but they never obeyed it. There are others that will one day stand before him having received the gospel, having obeyed it, only to have gone back into the world. Peter talks about those who knew the way of righteousness, but they forsook it. I think about those people hanging their head on the day of judgment. Why? Because they were unfaithful. Think about Judas Iscariot. How do you think, how do you think Judas, how do you think he's going to feel on the day of judgment? You think he's going to stand before the Lord with confidence and assurance? Or do you think he'll hang, hang his head? What about Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10? We read about Demas having forsaken Paul because he loved this present world. How do you think he'll feel on the day of judgment? You think he'll be confident? Secure? You see, the godless, they lack security in the, af in the, in the afterlife. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 25 at verse 41. He said, to those on his left, he'll say, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In verse 46, 
Speaking of the unrighteous, he said, These shall go away into everlasting punishment. The way of the ungodly, the psalmist said, he said, they'll perish. It's a life of doom. And so what I'm asking you to do today is choose the godly life. Choose a life that's focused on God. Don't live for self. Don't live a godless life. Live for God. And in so doing, He will bless you immeasurably. But that decision is yours and yours alone. I can't make it for you. None of us can make that decision for another person. It's an individual thing. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fasten to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Hi, I'm Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.